Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. Brand new Flyers Daily for the 21st of December, 2023. Flyers Daily, as always, presented by Ticketmaster. Make more memories live. We got some good news yesterday. Well, it, good news in a roundabout way. The Flyers and general manager Danny Briere uh, announced that the Flyers have loaned goaltender Cal Peterson back to the Lehigh Valley Phantoms of the American Hockey League. That would lead us to believe that Carter Hart, uh, dealing with this illness, is on the mend and probably be able to play either tonight against Nashville at home or tomorrow when they play their last game before the Christmas break against Detroit, back-to-back three and four. Uh, So we'll see if Carter Hart gets the start tonight against Nashville, who was one of the teams the Flyers actually lost to, got a point out of, in this nine-game point streak that's dating all the way back to November 30th. The last time the Flyers lost a game in regulation was November 28th. It was a 4-1 loss against Carolina. But since then, OT lost against the Devils. Uh, Shootout win, OT win over the Penguins. Wins over Arizona and Colorado on the road. The 3-2 loss against Nashville uh, down in Nashville. Washington shootout win, one nothing win over Detroit, and then the OT win over the New Jersey Devils uh, in their last game on Tuesday. So the streak continues. We'll see if it can continue tonight. Flyers would love to end this week before the holiday break uh, with four more points uh, in the hopper uh, as they continue to defy a lot of people's opinion of what they would be coming into this season. Now, it's Nashville tonight. Here's what Nashville has done since they beat the Flyers in overtime. It wasn't that long ago. It was just December 12th. It was just last week, uh, a week ago Tuesday. But uh, since then, they beat Carolina in overtime on the road. They went into Raleigh and got that win 6-5. Then they beat Washington at home 3-1. They lost to Vancouver at home 5-2. And then their next game, obviously, tonight against the Flyers in Philadelphia. And we know, you know, judging by that last game where we saw just how good UC Soros was in that game. Spectacular performance against the Flyers. And John Tortorella talked about it after the game. We actually uh, talked about it, I think, at the first intermission of that game, uh, Brian Smith and I, during the game broadcast, that with a goaltender like UC Soros, who by today's goaltending standards is considerably undersized. Now, his numbers on the year, he's got a record of 14-11, goals against average, 908 save percentage. Uh, but Soros is definitely on the small side. Goaltenders in the NHL now, they're huge for the most part. He's listed at 5'11". I would doubt that he actually is 5'11", maybe 5'10". And, you know, the the average height of a goaltender now is probably 6'3". Flyers have a couple that are on the shorter end as well, but they're considerably taller than UC Soros. Uh, Carter Hart and Sam Erson are listed at 6'2". Soros under six foot tall. So with a smaller goal, small-ish goalie like UC Soros, just put more traffic around him, make it more difficult for him. Uh, UC Soros relies on explosive movements and play reading. Okay, take away his reads and, you know, put some traffic around him. Make it so that he can explosively move laterally side to side and make those spectacular saves. He's not a, he's not a blocker as a goalie, not a blocking goalie. Some of the really big guys, they just get into position and because they're so big, it hits them. Now, UC Soros is a play reader and a very athletic and acrobatic goaltender. Great edge work and tremendous 
you know, efficiency in his movement and all of that. So put some traffic around UC Staros and Flyers have a good chance of maybe coming out on top tonight. We'll see if we do see Carter Hart in this game tonight or if it's going to be uh, Sam Harrison again for his fifth straight start or whether that maybe it'll be uh, Carter Hart tonight and Harrison will get tomorrow night. So we'll see how that plays out. Now, this Flyers season, we're going to go through some some mailbag leftovers in this episode. and uh, But I wanted to start here. Um, I put out this tweet yesterday and I hadn't realized it and I've been kind of avoiding the subject on Flyers Daily and when I talk to people out in public and it's the notion of the Flyers and the playoffs and you you guys have heard me avoid the conversation you've heard me avoid the just the notion of changing expectations but as I was kind of looking through some numbers yesterday I came to this realization that you know, based on where they are, if they can finish out this week well and survive the trip out west where they're going to go and take on Detroit before the holiday, but then go to Vancouver, Seattle, Calgary, New Year's, and then take on Edmonton on the second before coming home against Columbus. If they can, I'm not saying they need to win all those games, but if they continue to play well and bank points, they're putting themselves in a really advantageous position for to, to make the Stanley Cup playoffs. And we didn't think... You know, that was in the cards this year. You rebuild, we're going to you know, acquire more assets, we're going to think long-term, and I think they're still going to do that. I know they're still going to do that. But where the Flyers sit right now is in the second spot of the Metropolitan Division. They're six points back of the Rangers. Rangers are fantastic. Flyers are through 31 games, 18, 10, and 3, 39 points. They've won three straight, and they're 7, 1, and 2 in their last 10. They're plus 12 in goal differential. Um they're 10-4-2 on the road. Really good road record, by the way. And they're 8-6-1 at home. They're one point up on the Islanders. They played the same amount of games. They are two points up on Carolina. Carolina's played one more game. And to extrapolate this a little further, New Jersey has played one less game and is five points back of the Flyers. So if you look at those numbers and where they are, you know, the pace that they're on right now, you know, the if they were to play the remaining... 50, what, 56 games of this season at the point accumulation pace they have so far. They would, they've been putting themselves in a position to have 106 points. Now, if 95 standings points is the threshold, that's the cutoff. That was the cutoff last year for wild card number two. A couple years ago, it was actually 100 points. Wild card two was Washington, and they had 100 points. But let's just say it's 95 standings points this year. That's the cutoff for wild card number two. The the Flyers will need 56 points the rest of the season in the remaining 51 games. That's an average of 1.09 standing points per game played. Now, through 31 games, they have 39 points in 31 games. That's an average of 1.25 standings points per game played. So they don't even have to play at the same clip and still will reach that threshold of 95 standings points. Now, what we're looking at, we're looking at what looks very sustainable. And we didn't see this coming. You know, when you look at last year through 31 uh, versus this year at 31. So this year, 31 games, 18, 10, and 3, 93 goals for, 81 goals allowed. Last year, through 31 games, the team had a record of 10, 14, and 7, 74 goals for, again, goals for this year, 93, so 19 
more goals for through 31 games, and they had 100 goals allowed uh, last year through 31, this year 81. So they've gained 19 goals in the first 31 games, and they've kept out 19 goals in the first 31 games total. That is an enormous jump. And one that we didn't see coming because you see the subtraction of Provorov, of Hayes, of James Van Riemsdyk, Patrick Brown to a very small degree, but and others, and Tony D'Angelo. But the team is defending better, giving up much less goals, 19 to be exact, and because they're pushing the pace and playing so well in transition, they've scored 19 more goals. So is it out of the realm of possibility that we need to really start to let this sink in? That this Flyers team, as currently constructed, is very likely ticketed for a playoff spot. Now, I brought up their strength of schedule. They've played the fifth to this point. From what they've played from game one, it was to game 30 at the time, they've played the fifth hardest schedule in the NHL. And coming down the stretch with the remaining games, they have, I think, the seventh easiest schedule down the stretch. I mean, since they lost that San Jose game, they're 13-3-2. Remember what it was like after that San Jose loss? I think San Jose was 0-11, and and the Flyers lost to them, and that was their first win of the year. And we talked about it. We were were kind of PO'd on the podcast, like, oh, how could they let this happen? It's embarrassing. You know, they get their first win against the Flyers because, of course, they do. Everybody was saying if they if they don't beat the Flyers, then they're gonna they're gonna end up beating Edmonton, who was in in the doldrums as well early on. But they ended up beating the Flyers, and since then it was we said it right on this podcast. We said the only thing that matters now about that game is how they react to it, and they've reacted very well. I mean, when you look at a record, I mean, over that period of time from November 10th until now, they have the best record in the NHL. Since the loss to the Sharks on November 8th, the Flyers are 13-3-2. The Toronto Maple Leafs are 10-2-4. The Rangers, 12-5. The Predators, who we'll see tonight, 13-6. The Kings, 9-4-1. The Jets, 11-5-1. And the Islanders, 10-4-5. And even the Oilers are 11-6. But they've got the best record in the league since November 10th. It's a pretty decent sample size. Talking about 18 games. So when you look at all of this, can we wrap our head around the fact, can we let ourselves go enough to go, okay, making the playoffs and a rebuild is not a bad thing. The rebuild isn't defined by if you make the playoffs or not. A rebuild is defined by the tactics in which a general manager and an organization proceed. If a team is not in a rebuild, they're looking to add pieces, you know, they're doing those making moves that are commensurate with the team pushing their chips in. The Flyers probably are not going to do that. Just the opposite. They're going to be a team that's in playoff positioning, and maybe we'll move guys. Maybe they don't move them. Maybe you hang on to them. If you're going to get a third-round pick for Nick Sealer or a second for Sean Walker, is that worth it? When you look, I know people love picks. We all love social media loves draft picks. The fact of the matter is that a third-round pick in the NHL, yeah, you can get one that turns into Braden Point, sure. But 
the statistical odds on a player in the third round playing 200 games, it's probably about 4%. So is that worth it? it that's you got to weigh the what you're giving up for what you're getting. And, you know, you can make the case that no, and if they continue to win and they can make the playoffs, it's valuable experience for guys. It keeps Danny Briere having a ton of leverage in any trade discussion. Those are all good things. Again, a rebuild is not defined by wins and losses. A rebuild is defined by the plan, the strategic plan of the general manager. And the strategic plan is to keep building this thing for long-term sustainability and a, a viableness to be able to compete for a cup for many years. There's still a lot they need, but they're playing great. It's not a finished product, but you can play great, get something out of it in a rebuild, and move forward. So that's what's going to be really interesting to me. And, you know, I've avoided this this notion of changing my expectations. I think now it's like hitting me in the forehead with a shovel that this team— may be ticketed for a playoff spot. Again, I'll see how they do on this road trip out to Western Canada and how they end the year. You know, their travel the rest of the way is not going to be bad. They've knocked out their L.A. trip. They're going to knock out their Western Canada trip. They've had a lot of games late night and in different time zones. You know, when they come back on January 4th to take on Columbus, I think they have two games that are later than 7 o'clock. They have an 8 o'clock game. In Minnesota, I know they have. Uh, they actually have an 8 o'clock game against New Jersey, which is the stadium series. And I think they have Chicago at 8 o'clock. Other than that, it's matinees and 7 o'clockers. And the travel's not bad. So they're in a good position that way. So, all right, let's clean up uh, a little bit of uh, leftover mailbag stuff. Um, I want to get to a couple of these. Vernon Coyle uh, had tweeted me and said, Jason, I'm a big Carter Hart supporter, but if Arison continues to play this way, is Heart, a heart trade inevitable? Um, I would say no, because you know it's not as easy of a trade as you would think. Carter Hart is a restricted free agent after this year, and he needs a new contract. It's weird because in the NHL, teams don't like to trade for goaltenders and and give up, you know, capital or organizational pieces to obtain goaltenders. They they'll pay them in free agency. They do that. But Carter Hart will be a restricted free agent. If he goes to another team and performs really well, then the price tag is getting bigger and bigger. And you tend not to get the return um, that you would think for the importance of the position. You know, the thing about it is, is the Flyers are in a really good position with two goaltenders and what's been an organizational flaw for most of my life since Bernie Perrant or Ron Hextall Part 1. And now you have that position where you can just put a check next to it and don't have to worry about it. And I, I'm not eager to deal any of the goalies because you're looking at a league where you go, man, some teams are looking for a goalie that can, one goalie that can make some stops. Flyers have two, and that is a huge advantage. Make no mistake about it. The 13-3-2 record since the San Jose loss and the record this season and the reason why they're in a playoff position is because they have two good goaltenders. And there's a lot of teams that don't get it. And you, I think it would be really hard for the Flyers to be playing the style of hockey they play without really good goaltending because they're going to give up some opportunities on the rush. 
All right, let's get to uh, – we're going to kind of put these ones together. Rob tweeted in and said, what is the problem with the power play? Why can't they figure it out? Dave tweeted in and said, what in God's name do we do to fix this power play? It's trending to be one of the worst of all time right now. And I actually got an email from a guy as well. Fred said, love the podcast and Hockey and Hounds. A lot has changed since last year. A Flyers game is really a lot of fun to watch. The power play is the obvious area for improvement. I'd also like to see improvement on faceoff wins. I'd be interested in your thoughts. Okay, so what's wrong with the power play? Boy, is that a really difficult question. And my answer is, I don't know. (laughs) Usually I'm a guy that prides myself on having an answer for everything. But there are some things that I do know. And, like, I watched that Devils power play. They had one power play opportunity against the Flyers on Tuesday. And if you're watching that power play, the thing that really pops out to me when I watch their power play, it's not the skill of Jack Hughes or Luke Hughes or Jesper Bra. It's that everybody is moving. It is fluid at all times. There's a ton of movement on it. And every time there's movement from the team with the puck and there's a team trying to defend it, there's decisions to be made. If guys are constantly changing positions and guys are changing how they're covered, you know, that every decision for a team defending in sports is an opportunity to make the wrong decision and you create the great chance. Um, I think the Flyers' power play, it's been a little more fluid of late, but I think it's been way too static. In other words, too much, all right, we're setting our 1-3-1, one, one, our high point man, three guys across the middle, and a guy down low to feed the bumper or work off the half wall, but there's not enough of, of those guys in free flow. I mean, if you looked at it and you want to compare it maybe to basketball, you'd say, you know, you want your power play to be kind of positionless where everybody's moving, but the parts know, know how to read off each other really well. That's what you see with the New Jersey Devils power play or the Rangers power play. I mean, you look at the Edmonton Oilers power play, it's just overpowering because of McDavid and Drysdale. And this is a time in the league where top power plays are over 30%, which is absurd. It's a huge number. I mean, the, the 10th ranked power play in the league is at 23.3%. 10 years ago, that's number one. But the Flyers right now, 30th in the NHL at 10.2%. So the one thing, look, power plays, a lot of it is predicated on high-end finish and high-end skill, and that's the thing the Flyers lack. But they do have some you know, good offensive pieces, but it's too static, in my opinion. As far as how to fix it, I do agree with Rocky Thompson that you got to maybe not keep changing the personnel, let those guys kind of work it out and see where it goes. There's a tipping point where you go, okay, we've given it long enough. It's not improving. They're not scoring. Let's try a different combination. But overall, um, I think the key to a, a good power play in today's NHL is that fluidity of movement. Because they're all looking for the cross-ice pass to get the goalie moving from one side of the ice to the other and to find the guy on the back door because they're putting you to so many decisions that eventually somebody's going to make the wrong decision. There's also a spot on the ice. I always called it when I was coaching teams, the decision zone. And it's that spot at the top of the circle in the offensive zone. So if you're coming out of the corner and you come arcing to the middle of the ice around the top of the circle, there's a decision zone there. And I think it's a great area to to attack all the time 
because the D doesn't know whether he should keep coming up high with the player, and the winger doesn't know if he should crash down on the player. Therefore, you have two guys making a decision, and a lot of times you can get indecision. One guy's going, I thought you were going. The other guy's, no, I thought you were going. And then you get a great scoring chance out of it, and then structure breaks down. So I'd like to see more fluidity in movement and guys play a little bit more. Maybe positionless is not the right word, but that you know what I mean by when I say that. But yeah, that's that's the only. I mean, that's the wart right now on the Flyers. It is the power play without question. All right, Flyers Nashville tonight. We'll break it down tomorrow. We'll also preview Flyers Red Wings because they'll wrap up for the Christmas holiday tomorrow night in Detroit. But tonight it's Nashville, and we'll wrap that up uh, coming up on tomorrow's brand new episode of Flyers Daily.